Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Ah, oh, man, the, the games have not been all that fun lately because, well, shit, this team cannot score. Uh, we're going to talk about that and a whole lot of things uh, just in a few minutes, so let's get right into the intros. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I missed the Bruins game, and I... Glad that I did. No, you didn't. It wasn't <laughs> exactly a fun game to watch. Not gonna. Lie. It doesn't like, sound like it was. It's like office space. I wouldn't exactly say I've been missing it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> then we all got to do the fake laughs of the uh, yeah. Insults. Like, God, what a great movie. It. Oh, it's so fucking excellent. Uh, you yeah, may have it's... guessed that Steph Driver is not on this show today yes. because we're talking about movies, and <laughs> we haven't got Steph movie. saying I don't movie yet. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't jump in and say I haven't seen it. Yeah, like. Oh, it's been it's been not a ton of fun, uh, man. Uh, we're gonna get into the scoring numbers in a couple of minutes, but they're uh, fucking ugly. Uh, but first, let's go over to the Athletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. So I know everyone is very down on the Flyers right now, um, and and not to say I don't I don't think it's justified for people to be pessimistic. I, I will say that. This is the first time I've lost two games in a row. Maybe, like, wait until they actually lose some of these games this week before we completely lose our minds. But it's Flyers fans, so they're going to lose their minds after every game because that's just what they do. Um, But I'm going to go on a different direction here, which is I do find it amusing. Very amusing. And I believe I've touched on this on the show um, about, like, maybe, like, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Um, But I do find it extremely funny. And who knows if this keeps up, maybe they will bounce back. Maybe they will, you know, surge and turn back into the team that people thought they were. But I do find it extremely funny that this is the first year that all the statistical models agree that, like, yeah, all right, we admit the New York Islanders are a good hockey team. They're actually a contender. And this is the year they might be bad. Like, ha! they're 5-8-2. It's... and two. They've lost six straight games. They have, like, both of their best defensemen are, I think, one of them's hurt and one of them is on COVID protocol. They're a mess right now. And it's just hilarious. The irony is hilarious that every year it was like, no, they suck. They're going to regress. And they never did. And now, finally, they got to the point where they convinced everybody they're actually good. And now it's like, now they might be bad. Take that, nerds. And, yeah, and, like, you know... Five, eight, and three, or whatever. Like it's still early, but it yeah, is. But I mean, we're losing late. our yeah. minds over the Flyers oh. being eight, five, and three, and look oh, at the that's... Islanders' record. Oh, that's like what I was gonna say. Like it's still early, but 
you know, trends kind of tend to develop, you start to see things. And no, it is like all the uh, like gambling experts I had on my other show, like preseason, like, oh, best bet, you know, future, win the East, win the Cup. And everybody was like, oh my God, the Islanders are so undervalued. You know, they're just built, you know, nobody can score on them, blah, blah. And like, yep, they suck this year. Like it's at, like Anders Lee is back. Doesn't matter. Like the whole thing is it's it is comical. At least we can take solace in the fact perhaps it won't be the Islanders screwing the Flyers this year. Uh, it'll be their own ineptitude, perhaps. <laughs> um, speaking of ineptitude, I want to talk about shootouts. I know the Tampa Bay shootout was a couple of days ago at this point, but um, goddamn. 53-94 and 94 all time, the Flyers are. They're 0-2 this year. They have the worst winning percentage at 361, second most goals against at 94, and the team with the most Florida uh, has considerably more shootouts than the Flyers do. Uh, they have the second worst shooting percentage. They have the worst save percentage. Against Tampa, they're 1-3 all time in shootouts. They have two goals on 13 shots. While the Lightning are 7 of 14 against the Flyers. I just want to know, over a 17-year period, how is any team bad at any one thing like the Flyers are historically terrible at this? Wait, 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 wait. 17 years? We've had yeah. the shootout for 17 years? 0506. Yeah, it was right after the lockout. What the, the lockout. fuck yeah, we're getting, time? We're getting, oh we're my getting God. fucking old. Yeah, the shootout has now been around longer in my life than I it was. I don't wasn't. like that. I have to go. There are probably <laughs> there are probably people on Twitter that are part of like the young crew that were not alive for the first time. Oh, I hear from so many like I assume everyone who listens is like our age. No. But they like I hear from people who are like, "Oh, I grew up with Richards and Carter." I'm like, "You grew up with them." Grew up. I mean, I no, grew up in the sense that they were on the team at my age. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, like, no, I mean, there, there's, a, there's, a very, there's a very large contingent, a growing contingent of Flyers fans that are college-age Flyers fans on Twitter. And it's neat. It's neat to see, yeah. you know, you know, a, a new group of fans that has, you know, slightly different priorities in terms of what they enjoy about hockey. That's really cool. But it, it is a bit like, whoa, when you realize that, like, that group was like infants when the shootout started. <laughs> okay. Okay. So getting back to Bill's actual <laughs> conversation. Uh, so time is wild though. Acknowledging that shootouts are basically coin flippy luck for the most part is what is what I'm told by the nerds. Well, they that are. is regression um, coming no, no, in a they major actually way. Are. Okay. So so acknowledging that, is it me? Or have the Flyers coaches, for the most part, at least the last two, been very bad at picking shooters? Because, like, let's just look back at this Tampa game. I love Sean Couturier. Sean Couturier is very good. I know that Sean Couturier has done well in shootouts in the past. But if I'm looking at the people on the bench and I'm thinking, I would like someone to score what needs to be like a dangly, snipey, greasy goal, I'm not going Sean Couturier. Like, Cam Atkinson's right there. Like, why don't we kick it off with somebody who's probably going to score, kind of set the tone? It just feels like they're shitty at picking shooters, is what I'm saying. That, and yeah, Couturier has like a pretty decent percentage for his career, and especially more so lately. Um, that attempt 
was, it was bad. Perhaps the worst I've seen so in these bad. 17 years. Vasilevsky knew what he was doing before Couturier got his head up out of his cup. Like, he was like, no, I'm not giving it to you. And Sean Couturier looked up and went, well, fuck, and just gave up. Like, he can, he completely gave up as soon as he looked up and saw where Vasilevsky was. He had no plan B. There, you, you have to have one guy on this bench who's got a plan B. And, like, it kind of sucks. Like, Drew scored a great goal early in the game. You're yeah. probably not beating him twice. Yeah. Like, so that's kind of unlucky there. But, like, even then, like I just said, they have two goals all time in shootouts against Tampa. Um, I don't. It's just like. How it, is this possible? It's been so long since we've had what people think of as goal scorers. And even if those guys are cold at the moment, like Joel Farabee is not playing very well and he's not scoring goals. And so I can understand why you wouldn't think maybe I let Joel Farabee. But Joel Farabee is the kind of player that I feel like can make a move in a shootout and beat a goalie. Like, it's just like... Logically to me, I don't the thought process behind how they pick shooters doesn't make any sense to me is what I'm saying. And maybe it's just me. So, I mean, maybe like to me, I don't know. To me the shootout is actually legitimately just a crapshoot. It is a coin flip bullshit like might well, as might 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 as well be a random simulation. And in reality, the 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 flyer struggles in the shootout only tell me one thing and it's that we in philadelphia are cursed because oh, yes. the random I simulation mean. just fucking hates us i mean that, that's really to me that's what it was because the shootout is bullshit it is actually bullshit and the only reason why we it's hate part it of the, much, game. the only reason why we hate it as much as we do is because the flyers suck at it and i don't think that there's any like i can't tell you how many times and i hear this in the media room too it's like i don't understand why they don't practice the shootout more it's like because these guys have been practicing the shootout literally since they were four. Like, what What exactly, aside from maybe doing, like, more tape study outside of the ice to study these goalies' tendencies in terms of breakaways, I don't know what doing a couple breakaway drills at the end of practice is going to help. At some point, this is going to turn, and the Flyers are going to have a couple really good shootout years. It just hasn't happened because even over decently large samples sometimes weird shit happens and because it's philadelphia and because we have pretty awful sports luck the the sports gods the hockey gods whatever you want to call them just decided that we are going to be miserable because you know we're, we're, we're very good at that i mean they have the worst save percentage and the second worst shooting percentage yeah. this isn't luck no it's, they're just it's, bad no, it's it. pretty much luck because you've had how many different goalies have they had how many different shooters have they had this is just random bullshit that fucking sucks I, I, there's no way to be 53 and 94 at something and go oh well like they need to recognize it's part of the game they're clearly not putting enough effort into being better at it See, I don't know if it's the players they acquire or what they practice, but when you have a 361 winning percentage, you're not just getting unlucky. That's awful. See, you just have to accept the fact that that life is, you know, the universe is indifferent, life is meaningless, and bad shit happens for literally no reason to a lot of people. Yeah, this is sports. That's not how we look at things. That's how be I look better, at things. Be better or you <laughs> suck. Be better or you suck. This has nothing to do with the universe. It's about the players on the ice doing things or not doing things. They consistently do not do things. I, be better or get better players. 
They, there is not, and it's been a part of the game for 17 years. I just said it's been a part of the game longer than it hasn't in my lifetime. They don't put enough emphasis on it. It's very clear. And the goal league situation, like, yeah, when you go up against Stamkos and Point, chances are you're going to get scored on. The scoring issue is a real issue. Like, this, it kind of, to me, the way they built the team, like, sometimes teams have third and fourth line players who, throughout the course of a game, might not show a tremendous amount of skill, but for some reason have the ability to score in a shootout, a la a Jordan Wheel or a Nolan Patrick. They were pretty damn good at the shootout. They scored quite often, even though they didn't score that much while the game was going on. If you had a little bit more skill on like a fourth line instead of being like, well, we need some fucking defense from Nate Thompson, who doesn't actually give you much. Like, I don't know. I feel like maybe if that was an organizational priority, you'd have more of a chance. I mean, because Giroux, Claude Giroux now has 100 shootout attempts. Every goalie's seen him way too much. He's probably not going to score at this point. He's at like 30% for his career. That's not good enough. I mean, 30% is actually a pretty good mark for a shootout. 40 is good. 30, 30 is 30 is, 30 is fine. 30 is okay. 30 is fine. 30 is okay. The, the only thing I will grant is that the fact that the Flyers have not had that like stone cold holy shit superstar probably plays in a bit to why they're not as good in a shootout as teams that have Braden points or Steven Stamkos's. But in any case, even accounting for that, they shouldn't be this bad. And that's where I just kind of chalk it up to, you know, randomness and hockey gods. And it's just bullshit. It's all bullshit. We are dead. We are destined to be miserable. It's a part of the game that they are inept at. Like it, it costs them points. This is a season in a that, division race that's going to come down to a point or two. I mean, that, that's, going to be, that's objectively true, but it doesn't change the fact that, like, there's nothing that's going to fix this aside from just getting better luck. Uh, getting players who are better at it. Like, there are guys who score in shootouts and more if the, often than not. And if the Flyers got them, they probably would immediately suck at shootouts. <laughs> yeah, I'm really respecting Charlie's full commitment to this ERB's shootout thing. <laughs> that's, where I'm, like, that's where I stand with the shootout. It's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, but it's part of the game. So get players who are better at it. There are guys who score in shootouts more often. Get them. Otherwise, you're going to miss the playoffs by a point or two. Like, this is the situation we're in. I mean, how There's many, gonna be a t- in all honesty, though, how many times, like, I, I get the frustration there. How many times have the Flyers really missed the playoffs by a point or two? When they miss the playoffs, they miss the playoffs. <laughs> this is going to be a year where the division is decided by a few points. This, yeah, this year this, it's probably going to be, be a problem. Points. Yeah. These could be those points. They're 0-2 in shootouts this year. That's two points left on the board because you're terrible at something. All right, let's move on. Um, so they have suffered their first back-to-back losses of the season. And, of course, in these losses, one of them, as we just got into for 20 minutes, was a shootout. So they do come away with a point against Tampa, who is an excellent team. Uh, they lose 5-2 to the Bruins. And things just... I think the pessimism is more about looking ahead. At least it is for me. No, that's what it, that's um, exactly what it is. The yeah. schedule it's, it's all does not. Ahead. Yeah, we we've been talking for a few weeks about this stretch of games that they are now currently in, and they represented themselves fairly well in the beginning of it. Uh, but now the back to back losses, and then we're coming up on Tampa, Florida back to backs Tuesday, Wednesday, home against the Canes in the afternoon Black Friday game. Sunday night in Newark, that'll be a lot of fun against the Devils. 
home against the Isles, who now actually suck on Tuesday, uh, then the Rangers on Wednesday, next Wednesday, then three days off before a Sunday-Monday back-to-back at home against the Lightning and Avs. If you haven't been watching what the Avs offense is doing, the Flyers could play nine periods and not score as many goals as the light, as the Avs have scored in like the last week. Like it, they are going to get blown out unless they get a tremendous offensive performance. Um, or a great goal. So how do? Yeah, that's what I. That's actually what I meant. Is great goaltending. I just got lost in my sentence. Um, because my question is, how can they get back on track and can they compete with these teams outside of getting like the awesome Carter Hart that we've seen more times than not this year? Like, is that their? Is that it? I they do just think they have to get great goaltending. So I, I do think they're probably going to start scoring more soon. Here's um, hoping. You know this this run. You know some of it is poor play by you know key guys, particularly on the secondary scoring side. Some of it is guys being snake bit. So I do think that more scoring is going to come. That said, I mean I already spoke last week to my skepticism that the power play can be fixed at least by this particular coaching staff. So that's going to put you in a in a hole because if if your power play can't score. Or if your power play scoring, you know, one or two goals a week at most, I mean, it cuts down on your ceiling in terms of your ability to score goals. So yeah, I mean, they're gonna need to, in a lot of these games, hope for good goaltending from Carter Hart and and play good team defense. I mean, the, the thing, the thing about the Flyers right now that is, it's something I'm I'm touching on in a column that I'm writing for tomorrow, my weekly column, but. The really tough spot they find themselves in is that the entire first month of the year, you know, you and, and I, I don't think this was an unreasonable way to look at it. The, the general way that fans were approaching the first month of the year was we have to the team has to survive the first month without Kevin Hayes and Ryan Ellis. And the underlying process issues are concerning, yes, but it's hard to harp on them too much when they're missing, not only missing two key pieces in the lineup, but they're missing two pieces in the lineup that they they literally, they cannot replace. Like, I've talked about this before. Like, if Travis Konechny gets hurt, it sucks, but they have guys who can slide into that role. They have no one who really can slide into Kevin Hayes' role, and they have no one who really can slide into Ryan Ellis' role. So you have two guys who were out, that are basically, given the, the construction of this particular roster, are essentially irreplaceable for this particular... Not saying that they're superstars, but they're irreplaceable for this team because this team really doesn't have anybody who can do what they do in that role. And for the first month, you were allowed to believe that, yeah, they're going to get those guys back, and then we'll get to see what the Flyers really are. Well, now I don't know if they're going to get those guys back. Like, Ryan Ellis has been given a four- to six-week timetable, and that's great, but... We just saw him come back for a game and then be given a four- to six-week timetable after being given a day-to-day timetable that became a week-to-week timetable. Like, I, I, I it, with Ryan Ellis, it's kind of like, look, I, I think the guy's a great player, and I don't think his, like, career's over by any means, but I'm, I'm taking the uh, the approach of, like, fool me once, you know, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Like, I'll believe Ryan Ellis is going to be a major contributor on the team this year when I see him be a major contributor on the team this year. This just strikes me as a very concerning injury. And Kevin Hayes, I mean, he played, what, two games? Got hurt, appeared that he was okay, practiced the next day, and now he's been MIA, and they're not saying what it is. And it sure seems like this is what 
happens when you're about to get surgery for the third time in six months. And if, if that he... happens, then is he even going to play again this year? So you end up in a point where like, okay, you spent the first month thinking, well, we'll see what this team is when they get the two guys back. And now you have to face the reality that they might not get the two guys back ever this season. If Kevin Hayes requires a third surgery, I have no idea who he went to for the first two. Maybe go somewhere else. So can we talk <laughs> about that? Because I forget who it was. Just I saw someone tweet about it. Um, is there like a concern about the Flyers medical staff? Like, obviously, there's nothing anyone can do about that. But like, doesn't it seem odd that two Both players came yeah, back exactly. for like, a day Two players then... came back for one game and they immediately got hurt again? And Kevin Hayes might require a third surgery for something that he's already had surgery for. Like, all of that makes me think, like, what the fuck is going on? So, so in a, in a sense, yes. Because I do, I mean, I, and I straight up asked Vigneault this after Ellis went down after the one game. Like, was Ryan Ellis rushed back? And he basically said, no, you know, he was cleared. He wanted to play. But, like, yeah, he was probably rushed back. It's hard with these injuries because, you know, they're they're kind of nebulous injuries. It's yeah. tough. The guys want to play. There's only so much you can do, you know, to, 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 to sit them when they're medically cleared and they want to play. It's hard. Yeah. It's that medical clearance that I think might be a problem. Yeah, Maybe but, but, but my point clear. is is that, like, with these kind of injuries, like, at some point you just kind of have to test it. Like, yeah. so yeah, it, it, seems... it, it's tough. Like, yeah, I mean, ideally you want the medicals and ideally you want these surgeries, especially from Kevin Hayes' standpoint, to be taking. So, yeah, there's a concern there. Then, granted, that's not the Flyers' medical staff, but it's, you know, surgeons that they're recommending. Um, the, the one issue I, cause I, I saw that tweet, and the one issue I did have with it was then right after that, the same person was like, and this is coming after all the rumors about Nolan Patrick. And it's like, well, there weren't really rumors about Nolan Patrick. There was one guy who made something up. And then it got debunked because he made something up. So, like, I do think there's there's a narrative that's been built here that some people have bought into that really isn't based in fact. That said, yeah, these two injuries are concerning. And they don't speak well to the Flyers as a whole treating these injuries with maybe the 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 you know carefulness the concern yeah. that they should have um especially because the guys got hurt i mean in the end the results are what matters the results are what matters and if a guy comes back from injury and after one game he's out again yeah i mean the medical staff has to, has to take some blame it's just a simple fact like it does seem with these injuries at a certain point the medical clearance comes down to well do you feel like you can push it? That's exactly, yeah. Like and, that, That's what it boils down to. And like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And the player is usually, like you're looking at, you know, our 2C and our 1D, like they're going to go, yeah, because they want to get back out there. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it has not worked out. But I guess the like medical staff does have to take some blame because this, like Charlie said, this shit happened. Like it's not hypothetical. These guys are now out for longer. Um the scoring thing right now, like, Charlie, you said you think more goals are coming. Yeah, I do. Um, why? Great question. Because they're not this, <laughs> they're not this bad scoring-wise. I mean, one thing you have to remember, which is kind of funny, um, you know, the first two weeks of the year, 
they scored way over expectation. I mean, oh. they were they. I think there was like a point where like they had like seven expected goals and they scored like fifteen goals. So in a weird sort of way, this is almost like now they're kind of right around where they should be in terms of expected to actual. So in a way, if you want to look at these last like two and a half, three weeks as like just the regression to the mean that was inevitable after the first two weeks of like, yeah, we're going to have, we're going to score on every single friggin' shot we take. Like that isn't a terrible way to look at it. And about now they're kind of caught up to where they should be. So now they should be pretty much scoring a normal rate. Now the thing is, is that a normal rate isn't going to be like amazing because as I noted earlier, when your power play sucks, your ceiling in terms of scoring is going to be limited. And number two, now you don't have your second line center for God knows how long. So now again, you have the same issues that we talked about before the season started where it's like, well, the top line's got to carry the team and Derek Broussard needs to overachieve. And Derek Broussard did overachieve for two and a half weeks. And, you know, he had a good game uh, the last game when he scored two goals. That was neat. But, like, he's not a second line center. We all knew this. So... It's concerning. It's very concerning because I don't know how they, I don't know how they're going to consistently drive play without a second line center that's really a second line center and without their best play driving defenseman. And I don't know how long both those guys are going to be out. And it's very concerning. I mean, obviously the, the, the logical thing is like, well, what about Morgan Frost? And I think that's completely fair. I think Morgan Frost probably should be up, especially if mm-hmm. they know, like they haven't released that Kevin Hayes is out for, you know, however long he's going to be out for. Um, but if they know that he's going to be out for a while, if not most of the rest of the season, I really don't know what they're waiting on with Morgan Frost because like I was fine with them letting Morgan Frost, you know, kind of marinate down there. Because I was like, well, you're getting Kevin Hayes back. Well, now if you if you lost Kevin Hayes, I mean, it's time. We're we're at the in, in case of emergency break glass point. Like, you see what you have in this kid. He's scoring goals down there. He's over a point per game. Like, it's it's time. Yeah. So right now, I just wanted to get to some of these numbers in terms of scoring and Morgan Frost. There, the Flyers are 22nd in goals a game at 2.69. And that's buoyed by their first five games when they scored 23 goals. Yeah. Tremendous number. Yeah. Nobody thought that that was going to be sustainable. We all said in the beginning of the year, where's the scoring going to come from? And then they scored a ton and we were like, oh, well, I guess they're awesome. But, you know, since then, they have scored 20 goals in 11 games. They've okay. beaten the goalie three times in a game once. Uh, it was in the shootout loss to Tampa. Um, yeah, and that, they got that one with nine seconds left. Yeah. 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 I, oh, I know. I had the under in the game, and we fucking... <laughs> eight, eight, eight 8.2 8. seconds, Claude Giroux ties it up. I'm like, oh, okay. And then they go and lose. I'm like, so I lost my bet and the game. Thanks. Um, <laughs> we're, we're officially losing Bill and his fandom to sports betting. R.I.P. R.I.P. Bill's fandom. If they had won, I would accept it. I go, okay, well, the Flyers won, so I don't care that I lost my bet. But I lost that, and they lose in the shootout in mm. the feeblest goddamn manner I've ever seen. I'm more just so, making I'm making a commentary here on how sports I'm, betting is slowly taking over the world. It, it has. It's it's really... It's yeah, it's not really it, that slow, either. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just... It has completely Rapidly taking over, over the world. Yeah. 
No, sports gambling is like is the drug that's sedating America as like you know it burns down. Um, that's a good point. Actually. Eat Arby's. So now, yeah, Never thought about it that way. So so now let's get to Morgan Frost. He's got three goals and twelve assists in sixteen games. 14 points in the last 12. He's got goals in back-to-back games. We talked last week about how his shooting percentage was like 4.1. Well, yeah, now it's up to 8.8. Everything's fine. Uh, and he's been doing it without Max Willman the last few games, who kind of, like, you know, he was the one finishing off a lot of the Morgan Frost chances. He was the only other guy creating any offense whatsoever with the Phantoms. Well, he's gone. Morgan Frost continues. He's got, like, four points in his last two games. Um... What is the case at this point against Morgan Frost? Like, I'm not watching him. I see the highlights on Twitter. Uh, Can he be so bad at everything else that the scoring does not matter? And if that's the case, fucking trade him for nothing. No. uh, no. Go ahead, Maddie. Um. Maddie Campbell has a piece up on BroadStreetHockey.com today, actually breaking down some Morgan Frost tape. To kind of show, like, hey guys, he's uh, pretty much figured out the AHL. Like, we we know now he's he's fine. Um, maybe it's time to bring him up. So, if you want to take a look at some tape, you can do that at BroadStreetHockey.com. That's all I wanted to say. Charles, go ahead. No, I, I mean, as I said, and last week we talked about this, and I was like, I'm not banging the door down for Morgan Frost to come up, but that was in the pre-Kevin Hayes is out for however uh-huh. long he's going to be out world. What a shit week. <laughs> yeah, so like, the, 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 the situation has changed dramatically. I mean, now, you need, as I said, you, you don't have a second-line setter. Is Morgan Frost a second-line NHL center? I mean, if you had to bet, probably not, but he yeah. might be. And we're He will be sh- better than We're Derek pretty Brassard. sure that Derek Broussard and Scott Lawton are not. So why not give the kid who has scored 15 points in 16 games in the AHL and is on a bit of a goal run, why don't you give him a look and see if just maybe— Because, like, look, you ain't fixing the 1D problem. Like— you're not getting another Ryan Ellis unless you pop Kevin Hayes on long-term IR, assume he's going to be out for the rest of the season, and trade for somebody. Like That's the only way. At least with the second-line center issue, there is a semi-plausible path to resolving that internally, and his name is Morgan Frost. So let's see right. if he can do it. And if he can't, then maybe you think about making a trade to get somebody. But before you do that, you kind of owe it to yourself to see what Morgan Frost has and if maybe he can solve that issue. Because, and again, like, I'm, I'm operating this option that Kevin Hayes is out for a while. If, you know, Kevin Hayes shows up and plays on Friday against the Carolina Hurricanes in the Black Friday game and is fine, then great. Then the situation's changed. But the fact that they've gone radio silent about Kevin Hayes, it doesn't bode well. It, it tells me that, like, he's getting opinions on what he should do, and some of those opinions are sit out for quite a while, buddy. That's the thing, and I brought this up last week, like, there is literally no downside. Like, even if you're low on Morgan Frost, even if you don't think that he can be an effective NHL player, he's better than, as Charlie just laid out, the other options. Or potentially better than. Potentially Let's just say potentially better. I think potentially better, better is the right way to okay. put it. Okay, potentially better than. And so you give it a try. Like, there's, there's no downside. If he's not better than, then you just send him right back down. Okay, we gave it a try. Now we know. 
it doesn't make any sense to me for them to go on this road trip to Florida without Morgan Frost. It makes zero sense to me. And it, I, apparently that's and, what they're going to do. And like I just like I don't think Morgan Frost is going to be some savior, but like he just gives you a better chance than what right. they have. This right. is a team, this is a team that through the last 11 games is averaging under 2 goals a game. You can't get worse at offense than they are right now. Like they never score. This guy seems to have an ability to score. The power play is fucking terrible. I don't know. Seems like someone who can make that behind-the-back pass to Cam York that I saw on Twitter the other day would be useful Mm -hmm. on this power play. I bet you Morgan Frost has scored on a breakaway before in his career. You don't think there's going to be another shootout this season? Sean Couturier can't do it. Like, I, I just... There's... I don't... I don't know if this guy's any good, if he's an NHL caliber player, if he's going to fix the scoring. But don't we have to find out at some point? Like, young players come up all the time and do things in this league. Some of them unexpectedly. Uh, Give the guy a fucking shot. We have seen flashes out of him in the NHL level. Now, yes, at some points he's been ineffective. But he's put on some size. He's more mature. You just said it looks like he's got the AHL figured out. His numbers kind of say the same thing. What the fuck are we waiting for? Even if Kevin Hayes comes back next week and he's totally fine, how could it hurt? Like, I don't see the downside in any situation of just throwing this kid on a top nine line and seeing how it works out. There's Even if he's not at center, I know they're, they, they like him at center. He's a hockey player. He'll figure out how to play the wing. It's not like he's going from wing to center. It ain't that hard. Guys do it all the time. And there's, there's, you cannot convince me there's any development less left with him. Like, he's the hockey player he's going to be. The only Put him way, in the NHL. Like, yeah. That's the thing. The only way he gets better at this point is playing against better competition. He's not yeah. going to get better in the AHL. No, I mean, the, the, ju- the justification, it. the justification for sending him down, which I think was reasonable justification, was that... He missed all that time. Yes, he needed totally. time. He needed time to get yeah, into his to get sure. into rhythm to to get back to hockey pace to find his, his offensive confidence, and that was true. I was going to say se- he clearly did. It seems he like great. he. Yeah. It seems like he has. Now the one point I will make, and this is kind of encounter to Bill's furious anger, which I you know mm. I respect it. I, I truly do respect the, the 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 raising of the voice and the tones. I, Bill. That's that. That's what you're good at, and you fucking did it. Well done. The point I'll make is that historically, the Chuck Fletcher front office has called up guys pretty quickly. Like this isn't the Ron Hextall front office where they were holding guys down an extra two months. If you think back to 2019, 2020, which was the last like normal season the Flyers had, basically every time the Flyers were in a position where like they lost a couple games in the first half of that season, they were calling somebody up. It was like, all right. All right, we lost a couple games. We're calling up Joel Farabee. All right, we lost a couple games. We're calling up Morgan Frost. All right, yeah, well, yeah, let's try more. Let's try German Rupsov. Like they, they haven't <laughs> been hesitant in the past to give guys recalls. So I don't want there to there, there to be like residual frustration of like the Flyers keep guys down for so long. No, Ron Hextall kept guys down for yeah. probably too long. Chuck Fletcher historically has it. Even last year, he called out Tanner Lazinski, called out Wade Allison when they were cruising. Like. I do think that Fletcher in this particular, in, like, not instance, but, like, in this particular avenue area of being a GM, I do think he has that bias for action that we heard about when they fired Ron Hextall. But it's time. Like, it's time. 
it's time to give the kid a shot. Uh-huh. Let's let's see him in the next week or so. No, and that's like, yeah, it's just about this one guy in this particular situation that I am frustrated. Like, I'm watching this team not score every night while they have a first-round pick in the AHL who scores every night. He's on the score sheet. Like, he's got a couple of games without any points. And, like, why isn't he here? This offense isn't going to just solve itself. And if they need to add somebody, they need to figure that part out, too. Exactly. Like, exactly. if Morgan Frost ain't it, if he's not enough, even if he's pretty good but not enough, like they need to figure these things out pretty quickly. Otherwise, they are going to be in last place at the end of this, like, run of games. No, like, they. Yeah. It's it's a reasonable point that like you kind of by having the off season that they had, you know, and because I I talked about this in, in my articles going into the summer that they really had two they they had three options in terms of what path they wanted to take. They could either say last year was just a COVID induced disaster of a season, we're going to run it back. They could shake it up. Well, basically they could do the shake it up but still try to win now thing, where like you know you're. You're trading young players, you're trading some picks, you're maybe trading some prospects, you're trying to improve, but you realize that you can't just run it back because there are structural issues with this team that need to be resolved. Or you basically go down the path of starting to blow it up and saying that this group just isn't going to cut it. Let's try to build around like Joel Farabee and Carter Hart and sell everybody else and try to go for Shane Wright. Um, Well, they didn't do that. Nor did they do the run it back thing. They spent some assets and they basically made it clear that we're trying to win now. Well, the thing is, is that if you're trying to win now, you've made your bed. Now, if the team isn't good enough, you've put yourself in the position where you kind of have to address issues. Like you can't just sit on your, you can't do what you did this summer. And then sit on your hands. And I fully acknowledge that it's difficult to make trades early in a season because everybody still thinks they're in it. But at the same time, you put yourself in this position. You built this team. And yes, you've gotten unlucky with Kevin Hayes and Ryan Ellis. I fully acknowledge that. But because you've burned assets, you've put yourself in the win-now position, and you kind of made your bed. So, you know, sorry Chuck Fletcher, but like— if this team isn't good enough because those two pieces are out, it's kind of your job to go out and make this team good enough by getting other pieces and not by sitting on your hands and waiting until the trade deadline and hoping that Carter Hart can carry this team to continued playoff contention to the you know to the point where uh, where teams are looking to sell. Like I don't think they can just hope that Carter Hart is going to have a 930 save percentage and pull a Connor Hellebuck and bail this team out on a nightly basis like Hellebuck did 2 years ago with the uh, with the Winnipeg Jets and that's the only reason why the Flyers make the playoffs. Like they need to be better structurally and if that involves trading assets, well, I mean, if you didn't want to do that, you shouldn't have approached last summer the way you did. All right, I think we need to stop for a break, and we're going to have a little bit more of this conversation on the other side. I just realized we haven't stopped for a uh, commercial yet. So we're going to do that. Got to get those ads uh, in. Oh, got to make that money. Pay them bills, like uh, Dave Chappelle used to say. All right, uh, we'll be back on the other side. All right, fam, we are back, and uh, we're talking about Chuck Fletcher, the situation he's in, uh, in terms of, like, the summer he had was we're going to try to win. Well... It's not working out. They're doing okay. They're keeping their heads above water. 
but two major pieces of the puzzle are out, and probably for an extended period of time, he can't afford to sit on his hands. Now, right before the break, Charlie, uh, you said every team thinks they're in it early. Seattle cannot possibly believe they are in it. And by the way they built their team, I know there was a lot made of, oh, it's all about analytics and everything, but to me, the way they built their team in the expansion draft was... Okay, the GMs have not fallen for what they fell for uh, with Vegas. No one is just giving us two players instead of one because that's stupid and they realize giving up two players is worse than giving up one player. So we're not Amazing. going to do that. Yeah, it's, it's fucking awesome that it only took one expansion draft for these guys to figure that out. Like, oh yeah, we have two guys, but we gotta say, like, oh, fucking stupid. But the GMs didn't do that shit. They didn't give up a bunch of stuff to protect guys. So... It looks to me as if Seattle approached it like, fuck it, let's have financial flexibility. Let's have a team that we're not stuck on any contracts like Carey Prices or uh, Jake Voracek's or JVR's. And let's have the ability, like everyone comes here and visits for a year. They're here as visitors. They go, oh, Seattle is a nice place. Maybe I would like to sign here as a free agent and things like that. You you have the ability to acquire players down the line and draft and develop and do all that shit. They also have the ability to like take on contracts now for those assets that they didn't get at the expansion draft. Nobody gave up a bunch of first round picks to protect their guys. Well, now teams are going to be willing to part with assets because they're in win-now mode, and Seattle fucking stinks. So bad. This is a team that, the Flyers are a team that cannot score. Yeah, like, I know Jordan Eberle's not going to come here and be a first-line player. I'm not even, like, I'm just naming him because he's a guy who's scoring there. They have useful players. It's not like everyone there sucks. Like, Yanni Gord and Jordan Eberle, like, these guys are pretty good. They could help an offense. I gotta believe there are some teams that don't think they're in it, and Seattle's one of them. Like, can't you target those teams? So, okay, so you would think, right? You would think that Seattle, and it's it's still very early. I mean, if we're talking about how, like, hey, maybe the um, you know, maybe the the Islanders can still figure it out. I mean, Seattle's kind of in a similar place to where the Islanders are, uh, but the, they the, don't have as many good players. True, like, but the, but the, but the reason why I'm skeptical about whether Seattle is going to do something like that which in my mind would be pretty smart, you know, stockpile assets, do what they should have done at the expansion draft, is that they didn't do it at the expansion draft. So I don't know, like, I still don't really know. I don't know really if it was know, on the table. I don't know what their plan is. Yeah. I don't know if they have a plan. Like, I'd like to think they do because the they hiring. have intelligent people in the organization who I believe are smart. And I believe, like, I got the sense that, they decided that this was this was my assumption of what the plan was. They decided we're not going to be able to get get much offense. So what we're going to do is we're going to build our team around team de- really good team defense and really good goaltending. Well, the problem is the goaltending has been horrific, and that's the risk of doing that team building strategy. Is that goaltending is extremely fickle, mm-hmm. and if you're pinning your hopes of being a contending team on defense and goaltending, you're pinning it on the two things that have the most randomness in terms of year-over-year outcomes, and well, they've got hit with randomness, they've got hit with randomness in the sense of Phil Grubauer has been utterly horrific. Oh. Like, oh. really, really, really bad. So, it happens, and if I'm them, maybe I'm just like, 
all right, well, this just ain't our year. Let's do what we should have done in the, in retrospect, what we should have done in the expansion draft, which is just really, really stockpile assets and take on deals and whatnot. Will they do it? I don't know. I guess we'll see. I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, there are some interesting pieces there that if the Flyers want it. yeah. You know, the, the big thing with the Flyers, if we're talking about like the Flyers making a move, I mean, a lot of this boils down to what they're doing with long-term IR mm-hmm. because they haven't been able to, to bank any cap space because they've been basically tapping into long-term IR since the start of the year. Now, again... If like it seems like they're you know they have the four to six week time table for Ryan Ellis, so Ryan Ellis doesn't appear to be a you know a like a, a Nikita Kucherov type long term IR option where you're just gonna park him and get that relief for the rest of the year so you can make an addition or you can keep guys on your cap. Now whether he can play after that four to six week span, I guess we'll see. But they're they're leaving that door open. Hayes is more interesting to me because again, like, and I'm not saying this is definitely gonna happen. But if he's got to get another surgery, he had a surgery in May, he had a surgery in September, he would have a surgery, I guess, in late November, early December. I mean, we're talking about three surgeries in seven months. I mean, at what point do you just say, buddy, just shut it down? Yeah, sit to the playoffs. If we make the playoffs and you're feeling good, you can come back. But like, we, but like, we can't rush you because we've tried that and it's failed twice. So if that ends up being the case, then suddenly you can take on cap. Like, you can add a player. And, like, I know the handedness isn't quite there, and I don't know what is no, it was no trade clause, but if you're talking Seattle, I mean, Mark Giordano is on an expiring contract, and he's still pretty good. Oh. Yeah. So, like, there, there's, like, a, you know, hey, if Seattle's selling— I mean, I know he's their captain, but, like, that's the kind of guy where, you know, maybe he fills that Ryan Ellis for He's also, like, 40 years old. Like, is he a part of their future? Like, he's on an expiring contract. Like, you just right. said, like, what the fuck? But, like, Go you gotta... And, and, and yeah. the thing is, honestly, like, th- this is part of the reason why I want to get Morgan Frost up there. Like, I... If you give me the choice between... If you give me the choice between, okay... Let's let's assume Hayes and Ellis are just done. And again, this is this is an assumption. I'm not saying it's it's true, but it's just an assumption. You assume they're just done, and it's like, okay, well, which of the two spots would you want to address first? First, I'd want to give Morgan Frost a shot and hope he can do it. If he can't do it, I would I would address center first if I could. Like I think that's the bigger need because I do think that I mean it, it's going it would suck having Justin Braun as your first pair of defenseman the rest of the year. But I think they need scoring more. Yes. I think Carter Hart can deal with a limited defense. I don't think this team can deal with scoring two goals a night, which might keep happening if the power play stays this bad and they just don't have a second line because they don't have a second line center. So I'm just throwing Giordano out there because he's interesting in the sense that like he's on Seattle. You just brought up Seattle. But if you're going to make a big move with long-term IR space, center to me is the logical one because that turns this team back into a legitimate threat, in my opinion. I just think, like, they badly need one more dynamic offensive player. Well, they absolutely do. And, and I, I, even, I wrote that in the article that, that I published today. They do. Even they, if they, Kevin they Hayes is okay, they need another first-line caliber fucking scorer. Like, yeah. it's very clear TK isn't that. TK is a nice player. I like him. Uh, but if... I, I just don't see dynamic in him. I see... A, a, a nice... You know, cool. I don't. He looks think like a good. He looks like a good second line winger right now. Yeah, real yep. good, like a real That's good second like. line winger. 
but bumping him up, like, and then where who's on your second line? And all, like, talking about bringing up Morgan Frost, like, yeah, it, it also makes the depth better on this team. Like, if Derek Broussard is suddenly in Nate Thompson's place, like, this team is better. Like, it just would be. Uh, so, uh, there's just... There's Wish options. they would do that. I mean, we'll see. I, w- I would love that to be the, the option. Yeah, it's not happening now. Yeah, like, I mean... Mm. It's going to take some time to we'll get We'll see there. if Nate Thompson ever is not the fourth-line center on this team. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I know what I'm wishing for is, like, not something that's going to happen in the immediate future because the fucking coaches just love this asshole. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not making a comment about his personality. I'm sure he is a wonderful man. Uh, but who cares? I hate when people yeah. bring that shit up. I saw this because oh, I called because I called him an asshole and people, I don't actually people hate this <laughs> yeah, guy. You have to like, clarify. Yeah, I called Alaska him an asshole. Ass- like, who the fuck? Can- it, it was I, fan sorry. frustration, not a comment on his character. It yes. just made it. I it brought up a thing in my brain. I fucking hate that shit. I don't give a shit if they're nice. I don't care. I don't care. It's no. nice. It's nice that they're nice. I don't fucking care. And like in terms of in terms of leadership and tangibles and everything. If this team was better, if they had 11 guys to play forward who were all considerably better, you could afford a Nate Thompson. Yeah. They do not. So they Make can't him Chris just... Stewart. Pay him to be the best friend. Yeah. I don't want him on the ice. He's not well, good. It's like I always said with Andrew McDonald. Like, if all of his qualities are intangible, make him the fucking coach. Like, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, to be honest, if with everything you, maybe, he if everything he brings. Yeah, like, well, they couldn't be worse. Could they couldn't be worse. possibly be worse. Okay, okay. I want to, I want to pivot here because okay. I do want, I do want to have this conversation. Uh, I think it's, it's an, an interesting philosophical conversation. We kind of touched on it earlier, um, and I want to actually hash this out. Is it possible that we? And I guess I will. I won't use we because I am not a fan. I am a. I'm an objective journalist. Um, but is it possible that the fan base at large is panicking too soon? Yes. Is it possible? I mean, sure. because here, here's the thing. Like, <laughs> for for as angry as people are and as worried as people are, the team is still, you know, doing pretty well from a standing standpoint. They are 8-5-3. and three. I believe they are still technically hanging on to the final wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. I guess my question is, is, is this premature? Are we panicking over something that is yet to happen? Or is it completely justified because the floor is about to really fall out from under this team and actually we're just, like, smart? So, I think that the actual answer to this as someone who is overly optimistic about this team at all times is somewhere in the middle. I think it's silly to right now completely be writing this team off and act as though they're definitely not going to make the playoffs and the season is over and the team is trash and everything is bad. That's too far on the negative side. It's silly. And if that's what you think, you should settle down. I do, however, think that it's reasonable to be optimistic about the potential that this team has, but be concerned about the fact that as of right now and over the last few games, they're very clearly not reaching that potential. And so what is the reason that they're not reaching that potential? Is it just because players are in a cold spot and they're just not 
getting, you know, the bounces and the luck? Is it because the coaching is bad? Is it because the line mixes aren't working? Like, there are obviously reasons why good players are playing poorly. And I think it's reasonable to be concerned that those reasons aren't the kind of reasons that just kind of sort themselves out over time, if that makes sense. Bill, what are your thoughts? I think... Earlier in the season, the Flyers played one of their best games of the year against Boston. And it was while they were on their little scoring run. They looked good. Uh, They just got their fucking heads kicked in by Boston. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be a precursor for, yo, Boston isn't that good, and we just got our asses kicked. And uh, they're they're about to play a bunch of games against really good teams. Like, my fear is that they're going to wake up on, uh, what's the day after the back-to-backs against Tampa and Colorado? December 7th. My fear is they're going to wake up on December 7th. Yes, right now they're in the first wildcard spot. They have a, some sort of tiebreaker over the Devils. Um, but they have the same record as the New Jersey Devils, which, you know, so, doesn't doesn't really... Yeah, but I mean, the Devils also have a better re- Devils also have a better record than... Oh yeah, the Bruins, I, the Penguins, the Islanders. Yeah. So, like, I mean, let's yeah. not be too but, hard like, on them. I, I, I know, but we're looking at this stretch. Like, they're going to wake up on December seventh. They ain't going to be in that first wild card spot. They are going to be closer to the bottom of the East than they are right. Like, that's the concern: is that these trends are pointing in a direction of, yeah, yeah, we can't score, and so we cannot win. You cannot win game zero zero. Like, because that looks to be the goddamn, like, strategy right now. Yeah, maybe we can win 2-1. One, one. Like, probably not. Probably not. It's real hard to hold teams to one goal. Uh, so, I, I just see a lot of concerning trends and a real tough stretch of games coming up. So, to be fair, just to play to <laughs> devil's advocate, um, I was looking at that first Carolina game. Like, things had already started to look a little shitty prior to that game. And I was looking at that Carolina game like, yeah, they're not going to win that game. Like, there's no chance they're going to win that game. And they did. So, and they you didn't know, play bad. They had a really no, good third did. period. They actually ended up winning the advanced stat battles at even strength, because primarily because of how good their third period was. Yeah. yeah. They and, and listen, if you want to pin 80% of that win on Carter Hart, that's fine. But guess what? Goaltenders are on the team. So, yeah, like, if are. the goaltender is winning games for you, that's good. Like, that, that's fine. We can accept that as a, a reasonable way to win a hockey game. Is that the way you want to win all of them? No, probably not. But I'm just saying that, like, I think that this team has made clear over the course of the season so far that they can beat good teams. Like, the potential for that is there. Will they do it? I don't know. But I, I don't think that you can look at these three games this week and just immediately put L's in. Like, no. you know, maybe 60-40 L in your head. But, like, they could win. And they in could. fairness, in fairness, and this, I, I wrote a, an optimistic column after this game, which I, I, it's wild. Wild, considering how wildly the fan sentiment has changed. It's like, the Calgary game was less than a week ago. Uh-huh. And they were better than the Flames. Yes. Like that that like, was they dominated that game. They, they only were, won 2 to 1, but they kicked their ass. Yeah, they were better than the Flames, a team that is pretty darn good, especially by advanced metrics. Like they are a good team, and they are a good team that kicked the shit out of the Flyers a couple weeks earlier. Now, yeah. the big thing that I pointed out in my column, which immediately got shot to hell, was that okay, 
yeah, they've lost Ryan Ellis, but this game showed that a Flyers team with Kevin Hayes, without Ryan Ellis, still has a plausible path to being a strong process competitive team. Well, then they lost Kevin Hayes, and now it's like, oh, shit. Now I don't know if they have a plausible path to being a strong process competitive team. But that was less than a week ago. Like, that game wasn't that long ago, and that was a game where they legitimately played well, not just from a, like, they won the game standpoint, but from a process standpoint as well. So, like, it's still there, I guess. But, I mean, it's definitely harder without Kevin Hayes. And, Eagles you know, brain. Those, those injuries can't, like, can't just, like, erase those injuries. I mean, they're, they're big, big absences. I think that's, like, it just seems like, I, like, concerning trends. But more than anything... Man, it just seems like things are going against them all at the worst possible time. Yeah, yeah. Like, I agree with that. You lost, you lost two of your most important pieces to this puzzle, who had just come back right before the toughest stretch of games of the season. Yeah, like uh, that's that sucks. That's a real issue. Um, you know what would really help things though? A little JVR hot streak. That would be nice. Yeah, I could yeah, use a JVR hot streak. I could, he's, I can, he's due for one of those, right? I can hear all about how he's playing well, and you know what? Yeah, he's making some cool entry passes and doing things that you don't necessarily uh, think about when you think about JVR. But they're paying $3 million bucks to Oscar yeah. Lindblom to make entry passes. He's getting seven to put the fucking puck in the net, dude. And I, I know, I'm the one who's always liked the streak. That's what he is. He's the streaky guy. Uh, they need it now. Like, when was his last hot streak, though? Like, when was 2019? that? 2019? I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I need... Well, no, I mean, he, no, he had he had a really good hot no, streak the for the begin- first, like, like two first, months of last yeah, season. The first half of last season. When he was a point-per-game guy. Yeah. Oh, first yeah. half of last season, he was incredible, and then he just totally fell off the face of the earth. Okay, well, now it's time to do that again. Yeah, do that for a couple of weeks. Yeah, do like, that. I need, I need that JVR again. I don't know um, if he's considered it, but he should perhaps consider doing that again. Think about yeah. it. Yeah, maybe just think <laughs> Might about be it. a good idea, James. When, when you're in the shower, just thinking your thoughts by yourself, conjure some goals. Yeah, I mean, with it, we just manifest things. That's how yeah, this works, right? That's how That's what I'm told. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what everyone I graduated high school with DMs me about, and they have the, they have the secret to, to conjuring wealth. Um, Oh, yeah, boy. all I have to do is all I have to do is send some money to a Nigerian prince or something. Are, are we talking about what like these? Uh, I don't know. What are the things those... on the, the like the um you know the things that are on like TikTok and shit? What are they called? Influencers? No, no. The um, Carl, you know I'm not Ponzi on TikTok. <laughs> well, they're on they're on Instagram too. Like the yeah, Carl, like the pyramids, the pyramid scheme type things. MLMs, yeah, yeah. yeah, MLMs. There we go. Multi level yeah. marketing. That's what I was. Multi level. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, man, like, they could, they could really, like, when Derek Broussard scores two goals, it's like, okay, the depth scoring's there, where are everyone, if Derek Broussard scores two, your team should have four, not two. They like, were, that's, yeah. You know? They were getting a lot of bounces at the beginning of the season, and it would be nice if the bounces started. They have scored. And, and, and that, but that's why I do think the scoring is going to improve, because I do think they will start getting more bounces. Yeah. That said, I don't think that's going to fully address the underlying issue of they don't have a second-line center and their power play is trash. But I, But they will score more than they have. All right, so I guess we can wrap up. I want to ask this question. Uh, so let's look at the schedule here. We are recording 
what is today, the 22nd? 22nd. So it looks like our, we'll probably record again next Monday, the 29th. Looks like a nice little hole in the schedule for us to be able to uh, record again. Do you think this lineup has changed in any way, uh, whether it be Morgan Frost or an acquisition, by next Monday? I, mean, I think Frost. You think will be it up. You gotta call up Morgan Frost by Frost then, right? Will be up. Yeah. As long I, as Hayes doesn't come back, you gotta call him. I feel I like want if Frost they, up even if Hayes is back. I know, but I know. I'm just saying. If they What's don't, the point? if they don't take him to Florida, which I guess we would know if they were taking him to Florida by now. Yeah, I would assume. I mean, yeah. they, I think they're already tra- they've already traveled or are traveling to yeah. Florida. So, so, I, yeah. so given that he's not going to play in these Florida games, if these games are disasters. And he's not up in that Canes game on Friday. Like, there's a fucking problem. I mean, even if they're not disasters, if they win one of them two to one, like, that's not a winning strategy. You cannot compete that way consistently. Like, Morgan Frost needs to be here because he's one of the 12 best forwards in the organization. That, like, I don't care who the fuck's in the lineup. That continues to be true, even with Kevin Hayes back. I realize there's positions and roles and shit. I don't care. You need more good players. They don't have them. There's one in the organization who might be one of them. I don't disagree. I, <laughs> I, it, I just, it better be. It better be. I have a little money. I would like some more. <laughs> <laughs> I have it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. <laughs> All right. Are, are, are we done? Yeah, can I just say uh, off oh, topic? Please, say something. <laughs> it's totally off topic. Um, if you have any good vibes to send out to the universe... Frequent guest on checking out the competition, Fapa, parentheses, cat, is in the kitty cat hospital. And so I would like some good vibes. He's our, he's our, official, he's our official fifth member. Fapa uh, <laughs> is the cat of Broad Street Hockey Radio. Well, then we have Bear, the dog. Bear is the dog. More, yes. more cats from Steph as well. So. Yeah, but her cats don't join us. That is uh, true. The way, the way Fapa, before every show, is crawling across <laughs> Kelly's keyboard. <laughs> accurate does the mic check meows into the mic and then and then we get going so yeah anyhow that's all thanks yeah the best fapa probably in philadelphia hockey history i believe Um, you're correct yes (laughs) also uh start making plans for festivus yes Uh, it'll be the 23rd the penguins penguins on the road the 23rd so we'll be having our uh annual party on festivus there will be a game that night you will enjoy yourself. It's always a great time. We don't have anything official yet, but just letting you know there will be something. Uh, so clear your schedules, folks. Festivus is happening this year. Uh, so that's it. That is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And boom! Content, content, content. And people, we need some five-star reviews. All of a sudden, we have a bunch of reviews. I know it's the same one guy making a bunch of dummy accounts to say we're a bunch of stupid liberals. Uh, is that really what we're getting? We, I, we I, like, I make it a point not to read those reviews, we got, but that like, is funny. I, Kelly, Kelly posted something. When I'm working Saturday mornings, I'm like on Twitter. I'm like awake at fucking 6 a.m. The only time I'm awake before 10 all week. Uh, and like Kelly's awake. She posted like a screenshot of one of our reviews. So I was like, I haven't looked at these in a while. And we got four in a row that were complaining about how we're some, uh, like, left-wing liberal. Yeah, we're like, like, bro, I am, but I don't think I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you need to show your vaccine card to listen to the pot. Like, 
I mean, all, like, there, sure, there a more get vaccinated, group. please. Yeah, there, that's the, there isn't a more sensitive group of people who are like, oh, you just, you don't like hearing things the way they are, and then they hear literally one thing that's quasi, quote-unquote, political, and they have to go write a bad review. <laughs> what a well, bunch the, of pansies. The, 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 thing um, with those, the thing with those people is that the stuff they agree with isn't political, it's just right. Yeah. And then the stuff they don't agree with is political. So, like, it's just the double standard. That's the way it's You heard it. one thing you disagreed with and got your panties in a twist. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, the biggest bunch of fucking pansies in the world. Anyway, uh, yeah, so write us some reviews. Fuck those people. Uh, we still have, like, a 4.5 average. But you might have noticed something on Twitter this week about the standings of the Philadelphia Flyers podcasts in this town. We were down a bit. Maybe pick it up here, people. Maybe maybe make some dummy accounts for us. You know, download a couple extra. Get it on a few different devices. I don't know. Just love, throwing love it out Love the friendly there. competition. <laughs> Listen, it's all in fun. But we're the best, so we should win. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's all the time we have on Broad Street Hockey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> Charlie Kelly. Are you ready to talk about